It's Wednesday, April 20th, and this is Market Foolery. Matt Greer sitting in for Chris Hill this week. I'm joined by James Early from Motley Fool Income Investor, from Hidden Gems, Charlie Travers, and from Million Dollar Portfolio, Ron Gross. Guys, welcome. Hey, Thanks, Matt. Mac. Okay, guys, it's the um, one-year anniversary of the explosion in the Gulf, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the business of BP. Um, and Charlie, in light of Heineken's earnings, I know you're excited to talk about the business of beer. It's one of my favorite topics, Mac. And there's a business there. There is a real business there. Um, but we're going to begin with Intel, which reported stronger-than-expected earnings after the market closed on Tuesday. Um, shares are up sharply at the time of this taping. James, this stock has not gotten a lot of love lately. What's your take on the earnings? Well, it's so true, Mac. I mean, Intel's sort of been like the drunk on the park bench who was just spotted driving a Lexus. And the market is so surprised. The stock is, is <laughs> was way up on the news. You I know what? James. <laughs> Good for Intel, though. But uh, market had forgotten that Intel has 80% market share in, in the PC business, and that's huge. Um, you know, the market has been focused on, on Intel's big miss in mobile, in, in smartphones, and in tablets, but that market is, is still pretty small. So PC sales, I think, for Intel were up 17% this quarter, which is fantastic. So this has been an unloved company. It's good to see it getting a little bit of credit now. Yeah, and I heard the CEO this morning um, interviewed on Squawk Box, and he said that the market has really missed the international story. He said Wall Street is missing the fact that internationally um, they've still got strong demand. Yeah, the whole uh, legions of people all over the world are just now upgrading to computers uh, and, and netbooks, and this all bodes very well for Intel going forward. Charlie? Uh, once upon a time, people would have killed to buy Intel for a low teens multiple of earnings. This used to be one of the uh, high tech darlings, and now in that uh, you know smartphones are kind of the thing, and you get companies like Qualcomm and Arm Holdings, you know, bid up to the stratosphere, and everybody's overlooking Intel, which is the giant in the field. So yeah, let's talk a bit more about that because talking about the valuation, when you look at Intel's PE, it's around ten and a half. Um, advanced micro devices, um, AMD's PE is around thirteen. Cisco's PE a little under thirteen. Microsoft and Dell both have PEs around eleven. So in terms of like once hot tech stocks, Intel is the laggard. What is it going to take for Intel to get more love in terms of valuation? That's a tough question, Mac. Intel's PE was 40-something several years ago, and it's basically trickled down in linear fashion as the market's been more focused on, on, on the mobile market. But I think if Intel keeps doing what it did this quarter, surprising analysts, and eventually gets a share of, of the, the smartphone chip business, that's going to help a lot. But, and also, you know, as companies mature, you would expect them to have PEs that are significantly lower than in, yeah. in the heydays of its growth. If it can find... Uh, future avenues of growth, whether it's uh, what James was speaking of or international, then you can see multiple expansion. But for a mature kind of behemothy, blue chippy company, you wouldn't really expect it to have a lofty PE ratio. Okay, so let's square off the mature behemothy, um, blue is chip that a word? Intel. How dare you? It is now. Uh, it is yeah. now. So we've got Intel, Cisco, AMD, Microsoft, and Dell. If you can only own one of those stocks for the next five years, what are you going with, Charlie? Uh, I, I would go with another unloved tech company, Microsoft. Uh, people really underestimate how well they are doing both internationally and the strength of their business products because they're focused on their consumer products, which haven't done as well as Google's and Apple's. So I, I think Microsoft's the one to go with. James? I'd go with Intel. It pays a 3.6% yield, and I might see that, that 10 PE revert to maybe a, a 15 PE or something like that with the rest of the market over the coming year or two. Ron? 
I'm going to agree with Charlie. I think Microsoft, out of all those companies, is actually the stock that is mispriced, and uh, I think it has the greatest upside potential. Okay, it was one year ago today that the Deepwater Horizon oil rig exploded. Um, Ron, it was obviously a human tragedy, um, 11 people losing their lives. Um, In terms of the business piece of this story, though, uh, much of the focus was on BP. Um, What do you think of BP one year later? It's really interesting the difference a year can make. Uh, So the estimates or that BP has spent maybe about $40 billion as a result of the disaster. Um, And it's come a long way since then. The stock has rebounded 65% from its low, still off 25% though from uh, uh, where it was a year ago. But it's reinstated its dividend, it's shored up its balance sheet, it's producing producing healthy cash flow again. Um, So kind of the image aside, the company has done a relatively good job of you know, taking the last year to rebuild its business and get back on its feet. Interestingly, the country as a whole, you know, if you recall, we were pretty gung-ho to put in legislation and let's make sure things like this never happen again, and, and this is such a tragedy. Eighty-four bills have been introduced into the House of Representatives since this occurred. Only two have passed the House and zero have passed the Senate. So um, we're kind of a country of let's let's get things done, but wait a minute, may, maybe not so much. Short memories. Yeah. I'm impressed. I didn't know you were so up on the politics. Uh, did a little research before yeah. the meeting. We're honest, <laughs> thorough. James, what's your take on BP these well, days? Well, you know, I'm, it's it's interesting how uh, the human it's human nature to, to to really overreact. A year ago, uh, people were saying BP could be out of business in a month, and, and maybe that could have happened. We don't know the severity. We didn't know at the time the severity of of the the spill, but. Thing, I'm, I'm glad things have recovered pretty quickly, and, and although BP may still face future liabilities because we don't know if this oil is going to come back from the bottom or whatnot, but those sort of things are going to be a lot harder to peg to, to BP specifically, I think, going forward. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly good for the company. And um, going forward, how about one oil stock that's on each of your radars? Charlie? I would say on a show that finds it acceptable to label Whole Foods as a restaurant, my oil stock <laughs> is going to be the J.M. Smucker Company, which is the maker of Crisco vegetable oil. Nice. And as you all know, Americans love saturated fat. That's my oil company. Shameless. Nice. Yes. James? Well, I'll, I'll go a more traditional route and say, well, Chevron is my go-to oil stock for, for this uh, this show, um, and I, I certainly continue to like it. Another one is Stat Oil, which is a little bit pricey right now, but still had a nice big find of new oil in the Arctic uh, North Sea, where production has been declining in general, so that's a positive thing. This is a Norwegian company that does a lot of deep water drilling, and as everybody knows, my opinion is that deep water is really the future of oil. Not my opinion, everybody's opinion now. Deep water is really the future because we've used up all the easy-to-get-to surface oil. Ron? Well, you can't go wrong with Exxon, which is a stock we own in a million-dollar portfolio. But from a pure uh, stock potential, I think I'm going to stick with BP, which uh, in a world of $110 oil has not participated to the same extent as many of these other companies, uh, for good reason, because of the the overhang of the potential liability. But I I think um, perhaps it has more room to run than a lot of those companies as a result of the fact that the stock's been held back a bit. And um, finally, it turns out that uh, people are still drinking beer, Charlie. Heineken reported better-than-expected earnings thanks to um, emerging markets in Africa and Asia. Um, I was also interested to see that they had strong gains in Russia. Yes. So big market for Heineken. Charlie, your thoughts? Yeah, it's a real stretch to call Heineken beer, um, but that said, I do like the company. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. 
Wow. Uh, Spoken like a beer snob. Yeah, I know. I I am what I am. Uh, So the domestic beer market here in the States has been contracting as uh, the global brewers face, you know, competition from spirits, wine, and the craft brewers. Uh, But what I like about Heineken as the third largest brewer in the world is that they really benefit from an increase in consumption in the emerging markets, particularly Africa, Asia, Latin America. And Heineken owns a lot of brands you all will have heard of, you know, along with the flagship brand. They have Dos Equis, Newcastle, Foster's, Amstel, you know. And so the story of this Dutch company is that they are going around the world. They're in 170 com- uh, countries, you know, and they're just, you know, seeing strong growth. You know, the, the trends for drinking are moving from, you know, local hard liquor brands in these emerging market companies or countries over to these, you know, premium beers that Heineken sells. You know, and I, I think this is a good kind of, you know, global blue chip with a strong dividend. You know, it's, it's the kind of company people should look at. And I like it better than uh, InBev and SAB Miller. What is your favorite beer, Charlie? Uh, you know, I, I have so many. You know, I would say Bell's is one of my favorite brewers. Okay. And James is a dividend guy. Are you intrigued by the by the stock here? Uh, you know, I like alcohol in general for, for, for a stock. Diageo is is one of my uh, core buy first recommendations in income investor. It's obviously a spirit and liquor company. And and just like Charlie said, that's been a huge thing in, in emerging markets. As soon as people have money, they want to buy these these snooty sounding brands to show that they have wealth. And maybe they shouldn't be, but but it's sort of a reality. So it's and it's, alcohol is very, very, very recession resistant. So it's it's a good good in good times and bad. And Charlie, as we close here, um, I couldn't help but notice we've got this Whole Foods near us here at Full HQ. Yes. And um, their beer selection is pretty amazing, by it, the way. It's really hot, yeah. But you also have these four packs now, and they're not cheap. They're like $12, $14, and four beers as opposed to six. What's going on with a four pack? Well, I, I think that's one of the greatest ripoffs that beer drinkers face today. It's like they think we can't count. You know, it's like, oh, you pick this <laughs> up. There's four beers there and not six. It's like two are missing. You know, and it's like I can do the math, people. Um, so I think they're trying to uh, pull. They keep the price the same. Yeah, no, even even higher. It's like oh this, uh, you know, pre, you know, it's like this uh, perception of quality that oh, we're only going to give you four beers because they're so darn good, and we're going to charge you even more than the six pack. It, you know, it's uh, marketing magic at its so finest. Why we make the three pack? Yeah. Oh, I'll be crying. Okay, guys. Thanks as always. Thank, Thank you, Mac. Mac. Thanks, Mac. People on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.